Hello and welcome to the All Saints podcast. I'm Phil. I'm one of the staff members here at All Saints. It's so great to have you with us. During this episode, I'll be hosting a conversation around our pattern series, in particular, the last three messages in our beloved identity module, looking at subjects such as grace, fear, and success. So I'd like to invite you to sit back, relax, and I hope God blesses you through this conversation. Let's dive in. So hi everyone, I'm so glad that you can join us on our podcast this week. I'm joined by some amazing guests. So guys, could you introduce yourselves and let us know who you are? Yeah, hi, I'm Mark and I'm married. I've got two grown-up children, uh, four grandchildren, and I've worked in mental health and pastoral situations and um, I'm presently a self-employed therapist. Hi, um, I'm Rachel. I'm married. I don't have any children or grandchildren yet, but you know, who knows what God will bring me one day. Um, I'm currently a a student counsellor. I'm doing my master's in counselling. I'm due to finish that in May. I really hope it finishes (laughs) because COVID COVID made it a bit longer. Um, But yeah, so I'm currently um, on placement. I see see three clients a week. Um, And yeah, that's just a bit... Yeah, and um, I'm Jess. I'm uh, one of the curates here at All Saints, um, and I'm going to be chipping in from time to time, asking these guys questions. Um, so I don't know, you might hear me again, you might not, but hello. Um, I'm really glad that I'm here. So thanks, Phil. <laughs> Let's be honest, Jess, we will definitely hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> and we want to as well. Um, we, we've had an amazing couple of weeks Um, well three weeks talking about our beloved identity and what it means to find our identity in Christ and I'm hoping that these amazing guests amazing people will be able to um, give us a bit of insight with that and we're going to just have a bit of a chat about um, the three topics that we've covered so um, Marg I think it's really important that for people listening Um, when we're talking about identity it's a bit of a a term that's thrown around in Christian circles how would you define it you know both from your counselling experience and and sort of like a biblical place as well okay Uh, I guess it's really good question I think generally what we would say identity is about is about the sense of self that core part of who we are and I, I think it's interesting I think in today's terms, I think uh, secular uh, psychology would define it quite differently than biblical. And so secular psychology would talk about that sense of ego, that sense of self in relation to uh, self, others and the world and how that's then integrated into self. So it would be then influenced by experience, i.e. your early experiences through life and including trauma and equally joyful times. And as a result of that, we would get the core sense of self. From a biblical perspective, I would want to suggest it's very different. From a biblical perspective, it's very much about how God sees us and how God relates to us. And so that uh, truth concept that we're made in the image of God And if you think in the Garden of Eden, God said um, he made Adam and Eve and they are excellent in every way. And so his significant voice of excellent in every way 
infers worth, infers that sense of that they are very special. And so that comes down through the generations. And so it's that sense of we're made in the image of God, we're God reflectors, we are made in the pattern of our father. So we are sons and daughters of our father. And that's a glorious inheritance. And so that roots our sense of self, that roots our core being of our of our identity, of our sonship, our daughtership, who we are made in the image of God with the Holy Spirit living in us. So that's quite a rooted identity of truth. Yeah. It's great to just bring out those, that distinction almost from, you know, that counselling perspective and that biblical basis. I think that's really fascinating. Can you draw any more other sort of differences that you find in like, how, how do we then approach it? Well, if you think then, if you think that's our rooted, uh, the, the, the platform from which identity comes from, it means that from our early experiences then, what we then do is observe who I am, the sense of who I am, in relation to self, in relation to others, in relation to the world, and as believers, in relationship to God. And as a result of that, we, we form core beliefs about self, our I am statements. I am lovable to I am unlovable. I am significant to I am insignificant. And it's very much about that sense of significance, that sense of acceptance, that sense of affirmation. But for most of us, have any of you had a perfect childhood? <laughs> See, none of us have, have we? We're all For all of us, as, as great as some of our parents might be, they were all dysfunctional. And so there is none of us that has a whole identity, which means for all of us, there's a, there's a hole, there's a hunger, there's a missing. And so for all of us, as a result of the fall, that's how a believer would move, as a result of the fall, as a result of Adam and Eve listening to a different significant voice other than God's, i.e. did God really say, and they chose not to go with what God really said, what happened was that doubt then comes in about our identity. And so at that point, there's a fracture, there's a separating. And at that point, we choose to go down the orphan route rather than staying adopted as sons and daughters of the king. And so at that point, we start to feel fearful, we start to feel anxious, and we start then the battle in our head. Did God really say, am I going to believe what God says about me? Or am I going to believe what my early experiences say about me? And so there's a division that takes place. And that's the constant battle in our minds from day one till the day we die. Who are we going to believe? And that major thing about choice over our identity. Yeah. I as well just jump in like with what Marg just said like when I was it was only a couple of years ago now really that I was having these lectures on sort of early attachment that's formed as a result of you know how you're parented and cared for and whatever and I was one of the only Christians on my course and I was sat there thinking I am so glad that I know the truth and the freedom of my identity in Christ and what God says about me because if I was just taken as oh I had this kind of parenting and I have this kind of attachment style and that's it. That was pretty depressing. <laughs> like I was sat in a room full of people that were going, 
I'm so broken because of what happened in my early years and because they didn't know God, but I was like, well, I can live in the fullness of God's, you know, freedom and blessing and everything because I know him and because I know that actually, regardless of what I've experienced in my early years or or whatever, in whatever part of my life, you know, I am God's child and, and that that's stronger. That's more powerful. So yeah, just to add in a little bit there uh, on what Marg said. And I just don't want to agree with Rachel there. And I think for me, that's where I become passionate, Rachel. That's where I become passionate about my job because actually we are a new creation in Christ. So no matter what our past, no matter what my past, and it wasn't easy at all, actually God can come in in and redeem what we think. So our identity is about what we believe. Fundamentally, it's about what we believe about self. And actually, what is amazing as believers is that God comes in and renews our minds. We can't change our past, like Rachel is saying. We don't know our future, but God can renew our minds about who we are and who we can be. So I don't have to live in the identity of my past. I'm rejected. I don't have to live in the identity of my past. I need to do so and so and so and so in order to be livable. Which is conditional, conditional identity acceptance. Whereas now, like Rach is saying, because I know I'm a daughter of the King of Kings, and that's my glorious inheritance, and He's chosen me, He loves me, He delights in me, He He rejoices over me with singing. How amazing is that? Mm. That I don't have to live in that rejection mindset. And so on a day-to-day level, if I'm beginning to feel low or I'm beginning to feel challenged in some way I can ask myself what am I believing about myself at this moment and is it true and does it align with what God says about me and what am I believing about God and am am I actually believing the right thing about God so our identity can flourish we can be changed a new creation which is amazing yeah so good and I, I remember when we were having our chat the other week Marg and you just reminding me again the importance of um like stopping and really addressing like okay where has that fear come from where's that lie come from and almost stopping it in its tracks before it festers before it you know makes room in my head really stopping and and going to Jesus straight away and so I guess yeah for both of you I just wondered what kind of things do you do or do you advise people to do when our, when our initial response to life is to question God or to straight away be like, oh, did God really say? Kind of how do we overcome that? And is there anything practically that you'd advise us to go away and do? I guess similar to stopping it and being like, hang on, wh- what voice am I listening to? Yeah, I would love any advice on that, really. Okay, so I I guess what I would want to uh, think about is it's okay to have the questions. It's okay to say, did God really say? The key is in asking that question, be alert to the fact that the enemy, you might want to use the word enemy, Satan, devil, wants you to think negatively about who God is about his character and the enemy wants you to think negatively about your own identity 
and who you are. And so be alert in asking that question that the enemy is crouching, ready to jump. Now, having said that, it's really healthy to ask the question. But then when we're questioning what did God say, then we need to be brave enough to and vulnerable enough perhaps to say to someone else, can you help me here? Yeah. Will you help me understand? We need to be brave enough to go to God's word, the Bible, and, and read and find out what did God really say about me so that we can actually learn and re-educate ourselves. Because I don't know about you, Rach, but when I was growing up, I didn't know. I didn't know. And even as a Christian, I haven't heard a lot of teaching about what God says about my personal identity. And so I've had to search it out and learn so that it can renew my mind. And then I guess on the other part of it, on a practical thing, you're right, Jess, it's that thing of uh, catching those and identifying those significant voices, but also be alert to the absence of a significant voice. So, for example, when I grew up, I didn't hear one of my parents particularly affirming me at all. Absolutely not. And so for me, there was a complete absence there, which left a hunger there for that love, which and that affirmation, which meant I went and looked somewhere else. So it's not just the significant voices we hear, sometimes those imposter voices, but it's also the absence of those voices that we hear. Oh. And I guess the other thing that I would do to really reaffirm who I am is I think Ephesians 1, 8, three to eight is a, an amazing passage. So if you get Ephesians one, eight to three and personalize it, I am chosen and loved. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. I am adopted by the King of Kings. And that gave him great pleasure. If I personalize that and then I guess we've all taken an antibiotic at some point three times a day and read that three times a day to myself I'm renewing the truth of my mind yeah mm. over to you Rach yeah I guess um the only other thing that I I really would know to add is um you know when we say to ourselves did God really say I think, yes, absolutely. The, the devil is waiting to come in 100%. But I think we are as well. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy. And so when I'm going, well, did God really say, you know, my initial thought would be like, oh, here I go again. Here I am again. You know, I've been told something. Is God's word not good enough for me? What is wrong with me? And I'd go on this whole barrage of like, I am getting it wrong again. I'm messing up. I can't hear from God and all this kind of stuff. And so I think doing what we can then to treat the situation and ourselves in such a non-judgmental way that we don't panic ourselves so as Mark said it's totally okay to say did God really say and then go to God with that and and so it's sort of it's making ourselves peaceful in that situation which is quite hard but then also being careful that actually the I am's don't become I am worthless or I am not listening or I am not good enough to hear from God really or I am messi messing up again or whatever and so it's just being really non-judgmental of ourselves because we've got to give ourselves a break we're human <laughs> like we're not God we're never going to get it right 10 times out of 10 and we're not perfect so 
just giving ourselves that break to be like hang on a minute it's okay to ask this question now let's go to God what does he say what's he going to do in this which is amazing isn't it Rach because that's about God's grace that we were talking about the other day that you mentioned uh, Rich talking about Jess that sense of God's grace we're allowed to make a mistake God God knows we will make a mistake we'll mess up we will it's guaranteed we will mess up but I, I love the fact that he still thinks we're beloved even when we make a mistake and he comes looking for us isn't that amazing that the living God I love it in Psalm 19 I think it's 176 or something where he says the sheep wander off but come looking for me God because I'm your kid and he does because I'm his sheep he comes looking for us even when we mess up and isn't that amazing that this Abba Daddy loves us so much that he comes looking for us when we when we mess up like Rachel's has just said he doesn't give up on us he comes and rescues us it's amazing I think that's just an incredible, Mark. And I think one one of the things that I really just picked up on there is just like as a church, you know, it, it's really important for us to normalise just asking yeah. questions and normalise that um, yeah. in terms of our culture. Like, is it okay? You know, Proverbs tells us to test everything and to test, yeah. you know, test these thoughts. And um, I think it's important that we don't just pretend that we've got it all together and we've got all the answers, but instead we we demonstrate vulnerability and we ask you know almost give other people permission to be able to do that I don't know if you can either of you can speak to that well no I think we really need to be vulnerable because we're all broken aren't we and actually doesn't it make it safer I think doesn't it make it safer when I can come to Jess or, or, or appropriately to the right person or to Rach or to yourself appropriately and just say do you know what I've re- I'm really struggling with anxiety. I'm really struggling with fear. I'm struggling with this battle that's going on in my head about who God is or who I am. And I think what's, dare I say, what's been laid on several years of Christianity over time is guilt. Mm. And I, I, I remember counselling and doing therapy with so many Christians who've come to counselling and say, I just need to say, first and foremost, I feel so guilty for being here. I feel so guilty. You see, it makes me want to cry. Yeah. I feel so guilty that as a Christian, I am coming to you and saying I'm not coping. Mm. And what we need to do is actually lift the guilt off and say, God never expected you to cope. We don't expect each other to cope, but we are all broken. We all make mistakes. We've all had difficult times at different points. And it's okay to say, do you know what? I'm struggling so that we lift that guilt. We lift that condemnation. And like you're saying, Phil, we can be vulnerable. Isn't that what love is? Mm -hmm. Isn't love patient and kind and gentle and and open the door and say, this is who I am. Because otherwise we put these masks over our identity and we hide. And I I guess I just really, really, I don't want to hide anymore. I don't know about you, I'm done with it. I'm really done with it. And I really want to learn not to hide from you or from others or from God, but let's free each other to be vulnerable, yeah. My um my whole master's uh, dissertation is on like attitudes towards counselling 
uh, within the church and why there's that sense of guilt in in going because I want to know why that's there you know I don't want that to be there um, and the story I will always cling on to is I don't know you'll probably have heard it but the man that's drowning and he's saying god god would you would you help me save my life I'm drowning and uh, along comes like a man in a kayak or whatever and he's like get on board mate and he's like no I'm waiting for god and then you know like a helicopter comes along and he's like well we'll pull you up get on board mate and he's like no no, no I'm waiting for god obviously he drowns gets to heaven and and he's like god why didn't you save me and god's like did you not see the kayak did you not see the helicopter and so for me i'm like okay if you're struggling whether you're a christian whether you're not whatever maybe as a counselor i am your kayak like maybe god is providing you me to help you and where's the shame in that like god is providing this so where's the shame like so yeah it, yeah it's an interesting one really really interesting and sad yeah Jess you were gonna chip in there just yeah I was just gonna say and I feel like um now more than ever um there's a need to be real because we're not bumping into people as much as we maybe would have been before we're not having those cups of coffee at the back of church like we would on a normal Sunday and I've just recognised in myself, there is an element of me needing to be a bit more open and a bit more vulnerable in the conversations that I'm having, not to just be like, oh, I'm fine, you know, off, off we go again. Um, but actually being like, oh, you know, actually, I have been struggling about this or I have felt like I've been believing X, Y and Z about myself recently. And like just in the last week, I've experienced so much freedom in being a bit more honest <laughs> with um, friends and and family and people that I trust and that's really helped me kind of um, process but also think oh I feel relieved that I've kind of shared how I'm actually doing and there's a sense isn't there like you said that that vulnerability and um, with the right person actually leads to freedom because we're no longer keeping it in the dark which is what the enemy wants us to do we're bringing it into the light which lines up, though, doesn't it, with that whole biblical aspect, you know, in the Garden of Eden, the first thing Adam and Eve did was to hide because of shame. I'm a mistake. I've made a mistake, which is what you were saying, uh, Rach, that we don't need to feel shame. And what you're saying, Jess, is that actually I need to choose not to hide because our natural inclination is to hide because we're anxious, because we're fearful. I'm a mistake, I'm not good enough, which is our identity. Mm, and that segues really nicely into um, one of our topics that we discussed actually in you know the three sermons. We had Jess give an amazing talk on fear. And um, I particularly like Jess's message because it's the imagery that she used and the um, picture of that dog backing you into a corner almost. And um, what I'd love to know from you guys um, is... Uh, from your perspective, you know, doing counselling, doing all these things, um, do you have any sort of advice to how we can manage or deal with our fears day to day? Like, what can we do to protect ourselves? And maybe it is that fear of being vulnerable, um, or you know, that we've just been talking about. Sure. Um, you know, I guess for for me, so um, when I first became a Christian. Uh, I was 17 I was just sort of coming out of the back of um an eating disorder and it was like who am I you know I was terrified I was really terrified I was terrified of 
of food I was terrified of, of life you know and it was like who am I and the, the the main things that got me through was being in a community of believers so going to church making Christian friends whatever and and seeing them live out their lives and being able to be vulnerable and being able to be myself because I knew that they'd love me and they'd point me to God and unlike the world which had been pointing me to all sorts of other things um but then also really get into grips with well what's God's truth for, for me you know so reading my bible listening to sermons you know buying the you know christian living books whatever it happened to be that i needed okay well what what's god's truth um and i think now you know 10 years later or whatever i th- i think that's that's always my way is like right if i'm feeling fearful i need to get plugged back into the community maybe i'm feeling a bit distant and i just need to have a chat with someone it's always that first chat that one that you're most scared about but once you've had that first chat with someone it's like this weight goes and you're just able to just go oh okay good right mm-hmm. now i can just i can just get into the back in this community um yeah and just going back to god's truth always going back to god's truth and sometimes it's literally as simple as doing a go- google search of what who does god say i am <laughs> and sometimes sometimes that's enough so um I mean that's not really so much from a, a counseling perspective for me um but that more from like a personal one but I would say that you know you can probably twist all that into some form of like therapeutic method if, if you wanted to so yeah I love that can you imagine saying that to one of your therapy tutors just twist that that'd be great <laughs> yeah. new counseling model I love it but I, I really love like uh, what's come out so much in this chat so far is just how much community is so important, you know, when we're talking about all of this and how much, whether it's being open with our friends or the relationships that have formed us over the years, you know, I think about so many biblical stories and just the, you know, the Bible being a story of relationship and reconciliation and forgiveness and all of these complex emotions and relationships. And, um, I really like that perspective rates that you just pulled out there with, you know, how do we deal with fear while we, we get in community and we meet with God that way. I don't know if Marg, you've got anything to, to draw out. Yeah, I I guess absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with all that we've said, but I I would want to say one of our fears might be the fear of community and Mm. it might be the fear of relationship. And so it's actually really, uh, going back then even perhaps a step further and thinking actually about my fear with God and and just seeing that what I love about God's word is and Jess you brought this out 365 comments about fear fear not and I love it when God keeps saying again and again fear not fear not but the reality is we do fear we do fear And so it's actually given myself permission as an individual to say, do you know what? I will fear. I will. At some point in this day, I will be afraid. Might be minimal. It might be big, but I will be fear. Now, is it a big fear like the cat pinning me down or is it a smaller fear? But in that moment, it's actually recognizing I do feel fearful. And in that given moment, I've got a choice. What do I do with that fear? I either come under it Mm. or I think, no, do you know what? I recognize I'm in fear now. I'm not going to sit under it because although I might feel something doesn't make it true. 
although I think something doesn't make it true. So I might feel it, but I don't have to sit on it. I don't have to feed off it. I don't have to feast off it. But I can say, do you know what, God, I just want to give you my fear in this moment. And would you, in exchange, give me your peace? So that Isaiah 61, the great exchange, beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So God, I'm giving you my fear of, might be the cat. Because mm. no fear is too silly for God. No fear is too silly. Mm. I give you my fear. God, would you give me now something in exchange? And in that way, then we can make a choice to walk out of fear. And indeed, God, I might be afraid of people or of community. God, I give you that fear. Would you help me to take one step now to break that in my behavior? Give me courage now to contact somebody or to text somebody, to WhatsApp somebody. So I start to step out of fear. Mm. Wow. So um, we talked a bit about fear there and just how that it can be so um, constricted. Is that a word? I don't know. Is that a word? Probably. <laughs> um, you can't see this. If you're listening, you yeah. can't see this, but all of them are nodding in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, I just think it can be. It can really um, stop us from living life in the fullest. And I think what Jesus wants and what God wants is freedom. Um, for us and for us to live in freedom um i suppose one of the the, the last um sermon that we heard it's the last message that we heard was all about this idea of success and um i found this message really interesting it was owen who gave it to us if you haven't listened to it it's well worth checking out i just wanted to get you know your perspective on this um, where does this, you know, in all of us, there's this need to be successful. There's this need to achieve. And I was wondering, where do we think this comes from? You know, what drives it? What makes us want to feel like we are a success? I think one of the things that I was really reminded of when I heard Owen speak was um, he, he turned up with this achievement folder. And um, it really made me laugh. Like I had one in primary school. And I remember when I was given it, I was probably a bit too young to like fully understand what it was. But I really remember this great sense of like, I've got to fill this folder with achievements. Like I have got to achieve something. And so at school, you know, that was like, um, like um, swimming badges or like brownie badges or, you know, all the stuff that you do at primary school. But but even at that early age, I remember this feeling of in order to get somewhere in life, mm. I have to have achieved X, Y and Z. And so I think it, I think it is drilled into us from such a young age that um, success equals happiness. So once you've achieved stuff, you've made it and you're happy. And um, I just think it's it, we've just totally like um distorted what god says about us and it and it goes full circle back to that beginning doesn't it where when we know that we are loved accepted chosen beloved children of god we can't do anything to earn that we can't do anything to make him love us more or less Mm -hmm. and that's the wild gift of grace isn't it like it's totally undeserved 
we haven't earned it and yet God lavishes it upon us um but the world is constantly trying to tell us you must achieve you must succeed you must you know gather all these little things in your little wallet (laughs) to prove that you are something or you are someone um and it's just not what God says um so that's what I've been thinking about um yeah I don't know what other people are thinking well you just brought up a whole load of awful memories of swimming (laughs) (laughs) diving to get the brick from the bottom of the pool my goodness (laughs) maybe that can link to that fear thing that we you guys always go swimming in pajamas to do life-saving activities maybe that's just me but that was all that brings back no totally jess we had to do that and then the flaming uh you got knotted up in the pajama pants (laughs) (laughs) whose idea was that honestly you do why these are the formative experiences we're talking about the only therapist felt yeah (laughs) (laughs) where does this need for success yeah where does it come from from what jess said there i think it's great what jess said i wouldn't want to add to that i just think it's true but that's the battle of the mind isn't it constantly do you know what I mean? We are so audited in these days. So have you achieved this? You've got to have that. You've got to have a house. You've got to earn so much money. We're so audited about commodities and production from being tiny. And it's just such a battle for our mind. But we, Yeah, it's, it's like a cultural breakout for believers, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I would say like two, twofold, I guess, in, in my personal experience, like what Jess said, like growing up, like, you know, I was always told you will go to university because that's how you make it in life. And when I didn't get good grades, oh my word, like it was like something catastrophic had happened in my household. Um, and so it was kind of like that was just sewn in at such a young age, like, well, I have to get good grades. And then if I got some, if I did something well, then it was so massively celebrated that obviously any child is going to think, well, I want to be celebrated. So I have to keep achieving um and so that was sort of like you know what I remember growing up and then now especially in the social media age like everyone's lives everyone's highlight reel of their lives not their not their lows all their highs are documented on social media for all the world to see and so we sit there and we think well I've not achieved that I've not got that I can't do that so obviously I'm doing something wrong and I need to do more I need to be more successful and it's just it's all a lie. Like, you know, if you fail school, you can still go on. God can still use you to do incredible things, possibly even better than someone with straight A's or whatever. Or, you know, if you, you know, don't have anything that these people on social media have, you can still do incredible things. But it's just so hard to come up against those things when they're so like ingrained in what we're told. Mm. Which, which makes you realise, doesn't it, how much we then judge ourselves because of that. And then we align ourselves to agree with those lies so that we actually become the judge and jury against ourselves in our identity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you touched on it. You touched on it, Mark, the other day um, when you were saying, actually, this is what a cultural revolution would look like. For us to stop measuring our um, our worth on the job that we do, yeah. and start um, living 
in our true identity as children of God. Yeah. And, and that stuck with me for so long because how quick are we to say, oh, you know, hey, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we introduce ourselves, we do, don't we? I was thinking the other day and I was just talking uh, to Phil, my husband, just now and saying, imagine if all of us live from the premise that I'm chosen, that I'm loved, that I'm adopted, and we live from that and from the value of the fruits, fruits of the spirit, you know, gentleness, kindness, self-control, dot, dot, dot. And that sense of if we live from that place, how free would we be? It would be so radical, wouldn't it? And we weren't listening to these imposter voices like you were saying. If you get an A, you will be celebrated. Well, actually, if you fail, why aren't we why are we still loved and still celebrated? Because we're still amazing. It doesn't alter my core of who I am. Why are we so success orientated? It kills us, actually. Mm. Not that success is wrong, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what I, I, I would just say is that, you know, you look at all these characters that God uses throughout the Bible, and it's got everything from, you know, Paul, who is this amazing rabbi teacher, but also on the other hand, this horrific persecutor of Christians, yeah. suddenly used for the kingdom. And then it goes, you know, right the way through all these different um, social identities, right, to fishermen, to tax collectors who are hated at that time and seen as traitors and just God uses all of these people and it's almost cliche but you hear that phrase don't you a lot of the time where it's you know God doesn't um, call the qualified but qualifies the called Mm -hmm. and um, we are just learning as we go I suppose with all of this in church and um, and and life yeah Um, I was it, it reminded me actually of that first message we heard from Rich and I don't know if you all remember but that story of the girl I've forgotten the name that he gave to her but who went out partying and then came home and um suddenly found this um a favorite breakfast on the table and all of that and it was such a great story in my mind um I'm not sure that I would have reacted the same way as a parent <laughs> but um, I thought that was really good. I don't know if any of you want to comment on that at all. I think it, it for me, it brought home, um, I guess what we've already touched on, but how radical the gift of grace is and how so totally undeserved it is. Um, I mean, and that and the story, it just keeps going, doesn't it? So not only did her father make this amazing brunch but he then took her shopping and like brought her a pair of trainers and this girl just constantly thinking like I just don't deserve this at all um and and that's just how God is with us like constantly think like the way that he's blessed us and we just think well I don't deserve this like or the way he you know pours his affirmation and affection on us and we just think as if God loves us this much but he does um and I had a giggle actually with some parents that were thinking it's really challenged how I address um behavior and stuff like that (laughs) I I guess it it just reminds me of the prodigal son really doesn't it and just how God just in that situation went looking you know and thinking about story that, that you said Phil you know about the dad you know, he, he he was just actually in his heart looking for his daughter. He, he didn't want to lose his daughter. And, and here's the father, God, running out to embrace us. 
but in contrast, it just makes me think, oh my goodness, don't we have such a hunger for affirmation, significance and acceptance and that deep hunger in us sometimes can be so overwhelming and we just go looking in all the wrong flipping places. And actually on that, so I had a similar experience as a teenager <laughs> uh, and the reaction to my behaviour was not actually breakfast was offered, but only because my parents knew it would make me throw up. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then so I didn't have breakfast. And then they we had builders in the house and my parents <clears throat> told all the builders that I was lying on the sofa feeling very sorry for myself. So they all came in and laughed at me. So actually what I did with that was I went to school and then used the story to get that validation, but in a sense of using the wrong behaviors and things that weren't going to be healthy for me I was like well I can get validation from my friends by showing yeah. off this story and then by continuing to go out to parties and by and actually how do like I'm not blaming my parents at all of course they were angry but how differently would it have gone if actually they'd have gone like hey we love you let's have your favorite breakfast we're not going to like tell everyone and embarrass you. We're just going to love you. Maybe then I wouldn't have gone to school go showing off this, you know, drunken, you know, whatever. And maybe I would have gone, actually, no, because I would much rather have that love poured on me instead. And that kind of, you know, that lavish grace. Um, so, yeah, food for thought, I guess, because it's made me think. <laughs> and the way that story finished was that... Um, one of the girl's friends was so moved by how her parents had reacted that she became a Christian. And, and so it, it, it just echoed for me as well the way that we live our lives and model our identity and how we deal with our failures and our successes. Ultimately, like people around us are going to start to realise, oh, hang on, they're living a different life or they're not getting they're not trying to be validated by what we think about them. But I, I often think that people can see something different in us, especially when it comes to this identity stuff. And it's not, um, it's not self-assurance, it's not self-confidence, it, but it is this just like reliability, isn't it, on we know who God is. And um, yeah, so I, I guess I'm interested from, from, I guess maybe Phil as well, like, have you had experiences where people have clocked that you are living a different life or that you're, that people have seen something different in your makeup or identity? Well, I've got this amazing person that I call a wife who quite commonly <laughs> calls out, um, calls out things that aren't matching up. And it's, I think it's just amazing to be able to surround yourself with those people who are just not afraid to do that. Um, who is saying like you know I think you're really struggling with you know knowing who you are in Jesus with fear at the moment or whatever it is just fostering those relationships with each other where we are vulnerable and open and it's made me think this uh, theologian called A.W. Tozer who writes that you know we're all as humanity we're suffering a type of spiritual amnesia you know the beginning of this journey was in the garden walking intimately with God and as we've sort of gone along this journey we've completely forgotten what it means to just live in vulnerability and live in that relationship and um yeah I think 
that is probably one of the toughest challenges i think maybe for me you might relate if you're listening to this um with success is just being able to throw off those things that we um sort of hold away in our identity um and just come in vulnerability maybe it's the swimming badges that we mentioned before or the achievement folder whatever it is um just being able to chuck that away and say well I might be Phil, you know, this worship pastor at All Saints, but first of all, I'm Phil and I'm loved by God and I'm forgiven and grace has been shown to me. And I know that um, we'll, we'll finish on this, but I know there'll be people listening who, um, who are perhaps going, well, it's all well and good that we're saying that we need to feel loved and we need to feel accepted and all of this, but I don't feel that way right now. I'm really struggling. Um, I feel like um, I don't know God very closely at the moment, or perhaps I'm even struggling with my faith. Um, just want to see, is there anything that you'd want to say to those, those people listening right now? I guess I'd want to say it's okay to admit that. I'd really want them to say, yeah, let's talk about that. And I think it's really okay to say, do you know what? I'm not sure who I am. I'm not sure who God is. But do you know what? my experience of God is it is a God of revelation and it's a God that shines the light in the dark. So can we be really radical and ask God to reveal himself to us? And can we say, do you know what, God, I'm fearful. I I don't know who you are, but would you show me? I remember for myself being um, uh, not quite 21 and I was in Greece. I'd had quite a, a difficult time and so on. And I just decided life was just too much. And it was too painful and too full of suffering. And I went literally and sat on this beach in Greece. And I sat there and said, God, I I don't know who I am. I don't know if you exist. I have so many questions. But if if you are real, would you reveal yourself to me? And it was so powerful. I can feel it even now. And it wasn't that God revealed himself to me immediately. But over weeks and over months, God started bringing Christians across my path, circumstances across my path, where I started to learn who I was and who God was. And so I think, let's be brave and say, do you know what? I don't know who I am. I am fearful. I am this. But actually, let's dare to ask God the big question. Would you show me who you are? Yeah, I would just say some some days I haven't got a clue who I am, but it's okay because God's got it. Like God's got it in his hands. And I think aside from that, you know, it, it risks of sounding really cheesy. Maybe, you know, if you're listening to this, I will never meet you. I will never know you, but hey, I love you. And that's because God first, God first loved. And actually I can say that because I know, I know that because God is love, he's given me a little bit of his love that I can pour out to other people, but just, how much more has he got? So I know, I know, I know, I know he loves you. And whether, you know, sometimes we don't feel that and that's okay. It's okay to go. I just don't feel it. Um, But actually he loves you. I love you. You have got this because he's got it. He made, he made everything. He made the, the universe, the grains of sand, the stars in the sky, everything. So he's got you. Even if you don't feel that, just, just, just tell yourself that God has got me because there is, there is nothing like truer really god has got you yeah i love that Mm, i was just gonna say as well that um i've just really noticed that um 
like God can bring stuff up in different seasons. So there's different times where God maybe um, prods at stuff that he wants to bring into the light, that he wants to heal, that he wants you to deal with. And often that can just feel, often it's the most inconvenient timing. <laughs> and, and I've experienced that personally, like arriving in Worcester fairly new and, and God bringing up stuff that I hadn't thought about for years. And having to be really like, oh, okay, now is probably the time that I need to readdress some stuff. Um, but I've just been so reminded about the passage in John where um, it's talking about the vine and the branches. And when the gardener is pruning the branches and cutting away stuff, um, firstly, it's in order for new stuff to come about and thrive. But also the gardener has to be close to the branches to prune them. And so... I've often experienced the times where I'm feeling the most maybe delicate or vulnerable is also the time where God's been the closest. And so I guess I just want to encourage you, like if you're going through that at the moment, um, that God's close and he's with you and he's not going to abandon you. Um, and as we've said before, like reach out to someone and just tell them what's going on and bring it out into the light. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope God blessed you through that conversation. And a particular thank you to our guests who gave their time and wisdom to make it happen. If you have been affected by anything that has been talked about during this episode, please know that pastoral support is available through our website. Subscribe and follow our podcast to receive all of our updates. But most importantly, we pray you have a great week.